Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. Our mission is to make disciples who are radically devoted to Christ, having both a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Last year, I had the privilege of spending two weeks in Rwanda, East Africa, and I was preaching in a church and teaching national pastors and at the end of the trip, my son Dawson and I and missionary friend Rich Howard, uh, we uh, traveled to the Akagera National Park um, with, for a self-guided safari. It's a huge park. It's 433 square miles of very dangerous and very beautiful wildlife. And uh, at one point, we got out of our car, and uh, yeah, we were careful. We were standing beside a lake watching hippos. And out of the blue, this huge big bull elephant just comes barreling out of the bush. And uh, again, you know, we, we, we kept our distance, and he was just a gentle giant. He, he didn't bother us at all. Um, and it was at this same park, just a few years earlier, that there was a man that was trained in uh, African wildlife management. And he came across an elephant standing with its right foot uh, in the air. And it was clearly in distress. And he approached it calmly. He approached it carefully, slowly bending down. And he pulled a large thorn that had been embedded in the bottom of that elephant's foot. He pulled it out. And the elephant put its foot down, turned and faced the man, and it stared at him. And eventually it trumpeted and it turned and walked away. It was a few years later that this same man was walking through the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park with his son. And, and the San Diego Zoo is, is known to partner with the Akagera National Park in Rwanda in protecting and preserving uh, the African-American uh, elephants, especially from uh, poachers. And as he approached the elephant enclosure, one of the elephants turned and walked over to where the man was standing. And it stared at him and it lifted its right foot. He couldn't help but wonder if this was the same elephant. And it trumpeted loudly and continued to stare at him. And so what the man did, he decided to climb over the railing and made his way into the enclosure. He, uh, he calmly and he carefully walked right up to the elephant. And suddenly the elephant trumpeted again and it lifted its right foot and it instantly crushed the man to death. It wasn't the same elephant. <laughs> April Fool's! <clears throat> How many did I have you go and did I get you? Yeah, that's what I want to know. You say, Pastor Scott, that is not right. You're a sick, demented man. Yeah. Oh, and on Easter Sunday, Pastor Scott, are you kidding me? You take this great feel-good story and you crush us. Yeah. Can I tell you, there is no greater feel-good story than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. But what if it's all a big joke? What if it's just a cruel joke? What if Jesus died and he stayed dead? I mean, what if there is no resurrection of anybody? What if there's no resurrection of Jesus? What if it's just all a good feel-good story that just crushes at the end? And, and what difference does this day mean? What difference does it make? I, I mean, seriously, what difference does the resurrection make? If there's no resurrection of the dead, does it really matter? If there's no resurrection of Jesus, does it really matter? Uh, wasn't Jesus dying for my sins enough? 
Wasn't Jesus dying for your sins enough? Why? Why does he have to come back from the grave? What does it mean? You know, the early church struggled over a lot of issues in the Bible, doctrinal truths. One of them was the resurrection. People have been confused about the resurrection, you know, for, for centuries, okay? And not thinking it was important and not understanding its importance and confused about Jesus' past resurrection and people's future resurrection and do they relate to each other? And if so, how and what difference does it really make? I, I remember being a young believer in Christ and I, I fully didn't get it either. You know, I understood Christmas, I got that, but this whole Easter thing and resurrection, I, it, it was just confusing at times. So maybe you're here and you're a little confused about the resurrection and why does everybody go to church on Easter and what does all this mean and we're going to learn about that. The Apostle Paul dealt with some Christians in, in Greece and they were confused about it. And so he wrote a letter to the city, the church that met in the city of Corinth. And it was the first letter that he wrote. And if you have a copy of your, your scriptures, the Bibles, it's the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible, pull it out. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't, that's okay too, because all the scripture I use this morning is, is going to be on the screen as well. But the Apostle Paul covers this, and he's going to explain why the resurrection of believers and people is important, and why the resurrection of Jesus is important. And we're going to learn that the resurrection is no joke. Read along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our, and, uh, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. What we're going to learn this morning is that the resurrection is no joke. And he's going to do this by a negative. He's going to explain some things. And what I want to do is walk you through this passage. So let's learn together. If there's no resurrection, first this. Everyone stays dead and Jesus is still dead. Say it with me. Everyone stays dead and Jesus is still dead. And this, re this truth is repeated twice in this passage. Verse 13. If there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And then verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. So he's saying, my future resurrection and your future resurrection, the resurrection of our bodies from the grave, are directly tied to Jesus' past resurrection. You can't have one without the other. As goes the Savior, so go his followers. If he didn't rise from the dead, I'm not going to rise from the dead. Now, this is why Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. Interesting term. Any, any firstborns here? Okay. You are the best. Okay. <laughs> firstborn from the dead. Colossians 1.18. 
He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So in other words, Jesus is the first of millions and millions and millions of people to be born out of the grave, if you will, and never die again. First of many, many millions. Now think of this. Countless millions of bodies coming up out of the grave. Not zombie apocalypse type stuff, okay? All right? But, but think glorified bodies, resurrected bodies, perfect bodies. Anybody want a perfect glorified body here? You ready for a perfect body that doesn't have disease and doesn't break down and, and doesn't have sores and pains and aches? And man, and you young people have no clue what I'm talking Just wait, okay? He says, I'm the firstborn out of the dead. Think of the the vision Ezekiel the prophet had, the valley of dry bones. And God asks Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord, you know, that's the right answer right there. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Think of a valley full of dry bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. My people and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. I will place you on your own land then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Countless millions and millions of people, glorified, resurrected bodies, flesh and blood army. What kind of bodies? Bodies like Jesus. First, first John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Turn to the person next to you and tell him that. You will be like Jesus. Think about that. You will have a resurrected, glorified, perfect body that has been raised in power. 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. This is the passage I use every single time that I stand by the grave of a beloved Christian brother or sister. I did this with Ron Parrish not too long ago. I did this with Don Anderson not too long ago. I've done this countless times. There's not much beauty taking the dead body of a loved one, putting it six feet under in the ground, and putting dirt on top of it. That's what this passage says. It is sown a perishable body, but it's going to be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It's going to be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. There's no strength in a dead body. It's going to be raised in power. As Jesus went, the firstborn from the grave, so his followers will go. That's why Jesus is also called the first fruits of those who sleep. Also in 1 Corinthians 15, now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. And later it says in verse 23, Christ the first fruits after those who are Christ at his coming. So Jesus is the first fruits, the first fruit of millions and millions and millions more to come. And first fruits is an Old Testament term. 
Leviticus 23, when you enter the land which I'm giving to you to reap its harvest, then you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits. It's the, the first installment, the first sign, the first of the harvest was to be brought before the priest. And you shall wave the sheaf before the Lord that, for you to be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest was to do this. The day after the Sabbath for Jews was Sunday. Guess what today is? Sunday. I want you to understand Jesus is a fulfillment of this type. He precedes the main harvest. He is the first installment of a much bigger harvest. There is going to be a bumper crop of Christians someday. Understand this. In a sense, Jesus was waved before the Father because the rest of the crop is on its way. That's every believer in Jesus Christ who's died and gone before us. You may say, well, when is this going to happen? Noon today. No. <laughs> When's this going to happen? 1 Corinthians 15, 23. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. After that, those who are Christ's, when? That is coming. He is coming back. And when he does, all of those graves are going to be ripped wide open. And bodies will be resurrected. One day, we're told a trumpet is going to sound. 1 Thessalonians 4. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There is going to be the shout from our Lord, the voice of an archangel, and a trumpet of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed, and the perish, this perishable must put on imperishable. Man, is that going to be a great day. This mortal must put on immortality, and when this perishable will have put on imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Isn't it amazing how death is defeated by Jesus in the grave? He takes the grave and he defeats death. That's our Savior. One day his voice is going to be heard. John chapter 5 verse 28. Do not marvel at this. Jesus said, don't marvel at this. Think about it. For an hour is coming in which all the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Lazarus heard the voice of Jesus and he came forth out of that tomb. He died again. One day we will hear the voice of Jesus. We will come forth out of our tombs if we have passed and we will never die again. It is eternal resurrection power life i want you to understand the resurrection is no joke if there's no resurrection everyone stays dead and jesus is still dead secondly preaching is pointless and dead verse 14 and if christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain i'm so glad when raleigh talked about all the hot air in this place from the previous service and these these things started opening up i, I thought for sure he's going to say and pastor scott you're preaching just all that hot air just just opened up those lilies can i tell you something i am nothing but hot air if there's no resurrection I mean, I have wasted my time studying all week. I have wasted my time for 23 years preparing messages for you people. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday has been a complete waste of my time. And by the way, if there's no resurrection, it has been a complete waste of my life. That's what my grandma told me. 
When I told her I was going to go into ministry many years ago, she said, oh, Scotty, why would you waste your life being a pastor? That's what she told me. Two years later, I led her to the Lord. She changed her mind on that. (laughs) Can I tell you something? It's a waste of my time to preach if Jesus is not alive. And it's a waste of your time to be here today if Jesus is not alive. What are you doing here if Jesus is dead? Get out of here. Why are you wasting your time in this place? A dead Savior makes for a dead message. It's hopeless and lifeless and powerless. And the gospel is no longer good news. It's bad news. It's just a, it's just a good feel-good story that crushes you at the end. But let me tell you, if Jesus is alive, my preaching is not a waste. And if, if Jesus is alive, your being in church is not a waste. As a matter of fact, if Jesus is alive, your being in church is never a waste, not just on Easter, but every single Sunday. That's why next week, you'll be back and every single Sunday afterward, right? Liars! I want you to grasp the importance of this. There are plenty of things we do in our life that are a complete waste of our lives and time. Being in church is never one of them. Hearing the word of God is never one of them. You can waste your life doing a lot of things. Let me encourage you to get your butt, yeah, I said butt, back in church. Every single Sunday and let the word of God ignite you and teach you. It is never a waste if Jesus is alive to be in his house every Sunday. The resurrection is no joke. There's no resurrection. Everybody stays dead. Jesus is still dead. Preaching is pointless and dead. And by the way, your faith is worthless and dead if Jesus is dead. Verse 14 and verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, he goes on and says, your faith also is vain. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, vain and worthless. It means empty of no value, no benefit, useless, meaningless. It's kind of like you got a junk drawer at home. You got a junk drawer, you open that thing up. That stuff in there is worthless. It's junk. Most of that stuff is no good. I opened up a junk drawer at the, at the house yesterday. Corroded double A battery. What I got that thing in there for? Rubber band, the old kind. Cracked, no elasticity. Why is that in there? Super glue. You know, the kind that's completely solidified. You know, and you can't even get the lid off anymore anyway. Oh, and a key that goes to nothing. (laughs) You have those in your house too. They're worthless junk. I want you to understand. Without the resurrection, we have junk faith. It's just junk. It's powerless like those batteries. It's not very super. It's like that glue. There's no elasticity. can't hold anything together. And it's a key that doesn't open anything for you. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, your faith is junk. You should be putting more faith in, in this music stand or the chair you're sitting in than Jesus if he is dead. Now, there's some very practical implications to this. And I want you to learn and understand. That if Jesus did not rise from the dead, if he is not alive, your prayers are junk. They're junk. I mean, it's nothing to sneeze about, okay? Um, A dead Savior, listen, a dead Savior can't hear you. 
a, a dead savior can't intercede for you. R- Romans 8.34, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also what? No, he doesn't. He's dead. He can't intercede if he's dead. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him. That's how you get to God, is through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. But if he's dead, he doesn't live to make intercession for them. He can't. So if Jesus is dead, he's not interceding for you. And if he's dead, prayer changes nothing. Your prayers change nothing. Your prayers change no one. God has never heard your prayers. And God will never hear your prayers if Jesus is dead. I want you to understand the resurrection is no joke. If Jesus isn't alive, worship is worthless. What we just did, singing to God, was worthless. We were singing to ourselves. We're nothing but a big echo chamber. Might as well sing to your phone. You worship that just as much, but that's another sermon for another time. The songs that we sang earlier, by the way, at our church, we we blend our worship. We, We sang songs dating back to the 1700s. Christ the Lord is risen today. Nope. Not if he's dead. Lives again our glorious king. Nope. Death is vain, forbids him rise. Christ has opened paradise. Double nope. Soar we now where Christ is led, following our exalted head. Made like him, like him we rise. Our cro- the, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Quadruple nope if he's dead. We sing the old stuff and we sing the new stuff. The next song we sang was Exalted Over All. Vertical worship band from 2016. One name is higher, one name is stronger than any grave, than any throne. Christ exalted over all. Not if he's dead. Not if he's dead. By the way, your service is worthless. Junk. There's a lot of people serving today and every Sunday and all through the week. This church can't function without the servants in this church. Parking lot greeters, ushers, worship team, tech crew, nursery, cafe, teachers, bulletin folders, behind the scenes at every area. Can I tell you something? If Jesus is dead, don't bother serving. There's no reason to serve a dead savior. Just serve yourself. Just, just indulge yourself. Do whatever you want to do every single day of your life. And do what Paul said later in this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, 32. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we what? Hey, we're going to be dead anyway, so live it up. Turn up, let loose, get wild, crazy. Let Listen, indulge if Jesus is dead. If Jesus is dead, by the way, there's no accountability. There's no final judgment. That means the wicked get away with everything if Jesus is dead. Prayers are junk, worship is junk, service is junk. By the way, giving is junk. Giving is worthless. Do not waste a dime giving to this church. Don't tithe, don't give off. Thought you'd never hear a pastor say that, did you? Don't give a dime. Don't tithe, don't give offerings, don't give a dime if Jesus is dead. By the way, this speaks volumes about some Christians maybe here. Because there are believers among us who actually live like Jesus is dead. You don't pray. You really don't worship. You don't serve using your spiritual gifts. You don't give a dime. I guess Jesus really is dead to you. 
and it doesn't mean anything. Maybe Christian who's here today, it's time to start living like Jesus is alive. Because there's an ultimate accountability coming before the judgment seat of Jesus, we are told in 1 Corinthians. That life is a stewardship that he's given to us. And that you and I are going to be held accountable for how we've lived this life. You're going to see Jesus someday. And you're going to give an account for your life. It's time you start living like he's alive. Because he is. And you're going to see him. The resurrection is no joke. There's no resurrection, though. Faith is worthless and dead. If there's no resurrection, our message is dishonest and dead. That's verse 15. Moreover, we're found to be false witnesses of God. You're just a bunch of liars. Because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. So we've sung lies, we've told lies, we've celebrated a lie, we're teaching our children lies. If there is no resurrection, it's just all a false hope. Oh, and by the way, Jesus lied. If there's no resurrection, it's not Satan that is the father of lies, but it is Jesus. For he, he lied about himself time and time and time again. For instance, the book of Mark, Mark 8.31, he said, I'll be killed after three days rise again. Well, that must have been a lie. Mark 9.31 said it again, I'll rise three days later. That must have been a lie. In Mark 10, 32 and 34, he said it again, three days later, he will rise again. That was a lie. And he not only lied about himself, he lied to you. And he lied to all of his followers. See it in John as well as numerous other places. John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. No, he's not if he's still dead. John 11, I'm the resurrection of the life. No, he's not. He's a liar if he's still dead. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's a lie if he, if he never rose. John 14, 9. Hey, the, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. If Jesus has not been resurrected, these are all lies. I'm living a lie. You're living a lie. We're singing lies. We're speaking lies. Jesus is a liar. By the way, the Bible is nothing but lies. Without the resurrection, the Bible is nothing but lies. Obviously, what we've seen in the New Testament would be full of lies. What about the Old Testament? Full of lies. The resurrection is taught in the New Testament and Old Testament as well. Job 19. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet in from my flesh I shall see God. Think about that Ezekiel passage, 37. Whom I shall behold, whom my eyes will see and not another. Psalm 17, 15. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. Remember, we will be like Jesus. Think about that. Daniel 12, 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. These to everlasting life, others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. The Old Testament clearly teaches a resurrection. But if there is no resurrection, your Bible is nothing but fables and fairy tales. The Bible falls or stands on the truth of the resurrection. If there is no resurrection, put it in the fiction section next to Harry Potter. Next to The Hobbit, next to some John Grisham book. If there's no resurrection, the Bible is nothing but fiction. But if Jesus is alive, it is the greatest book imaginable. 
filled with the promises of an almighty God and prophecies that are mind-boggling. It is a supernatural gift from God to you is your Bible. Learn it, read it, study it, meditate on it, memorize it, get to know the Bible. There is no book like it because your Savior lives. The resurrection is no joke. If there's no resurrection though, we are forever damned and dead. We are forever damned and dead. I I mean, just listen to that statement. Grasp what I just said. You're damned and you're dead without the resurrection. It is the chilling truth of the matter. It is a terrifying reality. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Say that with me. You are still in your sins. Meaning, if there's no resurrection, you were never forgiven. You were never washed. You were never pardoned. When Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished. It wasn't finished then. If there's no resurrection, there was no atonement, no redemption, no forgiveness. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. End of story. There was no free gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus. If he is still dead, we are dead and damned for eternity. I want you to understand, you've got to grasp how important and essential the resurrection is to your faith. You have to understand its implication. It is essential to be saved, the resurrection. Why? Because if there is no resurrection, Jesus' death was not a sufficient sacrifice for sin. If there is no resurrection, Jesus' death was not accepted by the Father on your behalf. If there is no resurrection, it was insufficient payment. It was rejected. I went to the store yesterday. Haven't, I don't know if I've ever owned a yellow shirt, so I decided to buy yellow. You like this? Too bad if you don't. Okay. So I, I bought this yellow shirt. I'd gotten this coupon thing in the mail and 40% off. And hey, but I'm just going to go and just check it out. So... I go in there, and I put my shirt up there, and they say, this is what it's going to cost you, and, you know, how you paying, credit card, okay, stick that thing in there, and I stick it in there, and I'm waiting for approval. I'm waiting for the approval. (laughs) Okay, approved, fine. And they give me the shirt in a bag, and they give me the receipt. I want you to understand the importance here. The resurrection is the receipt that payment has been received. The resurrection is the receipt that payment has been accepted. That Jesus was not rejected and because Jesus' death was not rejected, I am not rejected before God. The resurrection is proof of my forgiveness. The resurrection is proof that I have been declared righteous before a holy God. Me, a sinful man, have been declared righteous Because Jesus took my place on the cross and he rose again. The payment was made and the resurrection is the receipt. Romans 4.25, he who was delivered over because of transgressions and was raised because of our what? Justification. Fancy theological term meaning declared righteous. That's what the resurrection does for you. It proves that God now sees you as righteous. Even though you're not. Even though I'm not. I'm still sinful. But Jesus took all my sins. Jesus took all of your sins. And so the resurrection is the receipt that God said, I accepted the payment. 
I accepted it. Now, understand something else though. God says, I accept Jesus's payment for your salvation. Now you need to accept his gift of salvation. See, I I can go to a store and I can spend hundreds of dollars on you, thousands of dollars on you. Pick your store, let's go. Just don't tell my wife, okay? So we go in the store, I buy all of this stuff for you and I go to hand it to you. You still have to receive it. I've paid for it, but you still need to receive it. That's where some of you are here today. You have not received salvation. Jesus has paid for your salvation. You have to complete the transaction. So you think it's about coming to church, trying to be a good person. I want you to understand something. Jesus had to pay the price for you. You can't pay it. Coming to church is not going to get you to heaven. You're still a sinner. Jesus dying on the cross for all of my sins, all of your sins. He's the only one who could pay for it. And so now the gift is offered to you. It's not about being religious. It's about humbly being broken over your sin, understanding how much God loves you. And that you must receive the gift of salvation. Don't leave this place without receiving the gift. This is not about coming to Easter services with family members. This is about God who loves you. Receive him as your savior. That's what it's about. At the end of the service today, I will lead in a prayer and I encourage you to call out to the Lord and ask him to save you. Complete the transaction. Let him save you from all of your sins. The resurrection is no joke. Next, if there's no resurrection, loved ones aren't in heaven, they're dead. How sad is that? Our loved ones aren't in heaven. They're in the ground. Verse 18 says, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He says, fallen asleep. That doesn't talk about those who've dozed off at church, okay? It's a euphemism. It's a figure of speech. Those who have fallen asleep means they've died, And it says they have perished, means they've perished physically, death and decay, dust to dust. They're in their graves, whether cremated or buried. They're they're done. There's no glorious resurrection. They've perished physically and they've perished eternally. Without the resurrection, there's no future. There's no absent from the body present with the Lord. There's no heaven and mansions of glory. There's no Beulah land, promised land. There's no streets of gold and mansions and glory and eternal blessed. There's no eternal state. There's no new heavens. There's no new earth. There's no hope if there's no resurrection. But if the resurrection is real, you need never fear death. You need never be troubled about the afterlife. And you'd need never grieve for lost loved ones. Never grieve without hope. There's no reason to fear. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You're with me. Verse 6 says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to be troubled. John 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, Jesus said, and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I love when my kids come home from school. My wife, Carla, she gets the 
gets their room ready, sets everything up for them. I want you to understand, God is looking forward to you coming home to heaven someday. He's getting things ready. He's preparing a place. I go and prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. There's no reason to be troubled. There's no reason to grieve without hope for loved ones who've died, who are believers in him. First Thessalonians 4. We don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, who have died, so that you don't grieve like the rest who have no hope. This world has no hope. This world grieves a bitter grief. There is no heaven for them. There is no eternity for them. There is nothing for them except judgment. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The resurrection brings comfort. Life in Jesus brings comfort. One last thing. If there's no resurrection, we're pathetic and soon to die. Verse 19. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Man, if, if, if you've hoped in Christ and there's no resurrection, you're pathetic. So am I. I mean, just consider the previous six points. If there's a dead Savior and a dead message and a dead faith and dead in our lives and dead in sin and dead, there's no heaven. Christians are pathetic. Put all our eggs on the resurrection basket and there's no resurrection. Yokes on us. Huh? No one is more pathetic than Christians if there's no resurrection. No one is more blessed than Christians if there is a resurrection. Man, are we blessed that Jesus lives, that it is not I that need to be pitied, but this world that is without Christ. Turn from your sin. Turn to Christ. He's the hope for this world and the hope for the next. Praise God our Savior lives, and because he lives, we will live. John eleven twenty five 25 and 6, I'm the resurrection and the life, he said. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Eternal life. John 14, 19, after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Say that last part with me. Because I live, you will live also. Turn to the person next to you and say, because he lives, you will live also the resurrection is no joke but if there is no resurrection everyone stays dead and Jesus is still dead and preaching is pointless and dead and faith is worthless and dead and our message is dishonest and dead and we're forever damned and dead and loved ones aren't in heaven but dead and we're pathetic and soon to be dead but because he lives I will live if you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest's new beginnings visit at harvest.church.